Good morning to those of you at home as well. It is, it is the 4th of July. Come on, somebody. It's been the 4th of July on the east side of San Jose all for the past three months. There's been explosions going off like crazy. And when you live on the east side, you don't know whether it's gunshots or whether it's fireworks. And you just get to the point where you just get used to it. Even my dog doesn't get out of bed for an M80. It's just the, the explosions that are going on right now are crazy. So be safe. You know, and I, I, I can't imagine, I always tell Ange, I can't imagine if, if fireworks were legal in San Jose, how it would look. They're, they're illegal right now in San Jose, and yet you used to look over the horizon in San Jose and see explosions going off like crazy when they're illegal. Come on, stand to your feet with me, high five your neighbor, air five your neighbor, and tell them happy 4th of July. Uh, you guys aren't afraid of uh, high fiving, you guys are actually touching each other. God bless you. <laughs> we started a series a couple last week called Freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. It, that, this series just jacks me up. It fires me up. And the reason why, when I think of freedom, I just get a picture of uh, William Wallace, big old long sword, face painted blue, and just going out there, just firing people up, trying to start a fight. We're, we're just trying to walk in freedom. Nothing frustrates me more than seeing someone in bondage when I know that God created them for freedom. Say it again, Pastor. No, nothing bothers me more when I see a marriage struggling that I know it should be together. That nothing bothers me more than seeing someone addicted when I know they were created for freedom. Nothing bothers me more than when I see someone that has a low self-esteem that can barely get by in life because they have a bad outlook on who they are when God created them to be the head and not the tail, a lender and not a borrower, above and not beneath. I need you to know that you were created for freedom. So Someone shout freedom this morning. Come on, shout freedom. Those of you at home, scare your neighbors and shout freedom. Or freak out your dog right now. John chapter 11. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to John 11. And there's a story here that you're very familiar with. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on what we would normally preach on in this story. There's something I want to focus in more so at the end of the story. But it's about Lazarus in John chapter 11. What do you know about Lazarus? Raised from the dead. After how many days? That was Jesus. Four days, okay? And the reason that's important, we'll talk about it later, is that in the Jewish culture, they believed in resurrection up until the third day. Because after four days, decay sets in. And whenever decay sets in and maggots start eating the body and the body begins to bloat and so forth, there was no hope of resurrection because you don't want to raise someone up that is missing an eye, part of their face, their fingers, or they're bloated and their body is deteriorating. So they believed up to the third day you could be raised. After four days, there was no hope for resurrection. Keep that in mind as we read this. John 11, starting in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. Everyone say Lazarus. Lazarus. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, I want you to remember, this is the same brother and sister or sisters where Martha complains to Jesus. Jesus tell her, Mary, 
to get up and help me. I'm over here cooking this whole meal for the 4th of July and she's sitting there at your feet listening to you talk and she's not helping me cook. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're always working, you're getting things prepared and you got those other people that just sit there and chill and ask, hey, when's dinner ready? Come on, anyone know what I'm saying right now? It's this Mary and Martha. This is the Mary that who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet, wiped him with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick and her two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, your dear friend is very sick. Another version says, the one you love is sick. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, for those of you at home, at the end of service, we're going to be taking communion. Now, here at church, we've handed out these really cute little, these are new ones, uh, little cute communion cups and everything. At home, you're going to have to pull something else out, whatever you have there to take communion at the end of service. But I want you to see what happens here. We got, we got a man by the name of Lazarus who's sick. And what, what's interesting is they don't, the sisters don't even say Lazarus is sick. They say the one you love is sick. They didn't even have to identify who Lazarus was because they knew when, they, when the sisters sent this message to Jesus that Jesus would get the message and understand who they were talking about. Verse 4 says, when Jesus heard, he said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Someone say end. How, how many of you know that God knows the end from the beginning? That whatever you're going through right now, you see a certain end in mind. But what you call the end is really the beginning when God steps in. What you look at as the, as the end, God steps in and he changes the end to create a new beginning. What you think is over, that is just the starting point for my God. Someone say amen. It goes on and says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So there's a purpose this is going on. Let me submit this to you, that whatever you're going through today, there is a purpose for what you're facing, that God may not have caused it, but God will get glory out of what you're going through. Whether it's a struggle in your marriage, a sickness in your body, whether it's a struggle in your mind, or whether it's a battle in a relationship, I need you to know that God may not have caused that problem, but God will get glory out of whatever you're going through when it's done. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. See, God knows what the outcome is. Verse five, he says, so although the Lord loved, everyone say loved. I need you to know God loves you. And just because God loves you doesn't mean you, know, you don't go through some tough times in life. Sometimes we have this idea that God loves me so things are going to be easy. Well, if God loves me, then he'll protect me from anything. But he says this, although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed, someone say stayed, stayed. where he was for two days. He, he delays his response. Instead of going when they send the message to him, he waits. Have you ever asked God to do something and God didn't show up in the time frame that you expected him to? Let, let me try this side. Have you ever prayed and God didn't show up when you needed him to? 
Have you ever prayed and felt like God let you down? Come on, somebody. Don't get all religious on me. That there's been times I prayed that I, and those of you at home that I prayed and God didn't show up in the manner that I expected him to. And he didn't show up when I expected him to. And how can you trust God when you pray and it seems like God let you down? I want you to see he delays. Now, Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. Jesus loves him. He, he has a close relationship. He hung out with them. He went to their house. He ate there. They were supporters of his ministry. And so you would think that if anyone had an inside track to a prayer request being answered, it would be a friend of Jesus. And so when they send the message, they expect Jesus to drop whatever he's doing and show up. You see, when we serve God and we show up every Sunday and we worship God and you give your tithe, when you pray, you expect God to show up when you pray. Because I've been faithful. And I, I, if a friend asked me to do something for him, I would do it. So why is it that God didn't do what I asked him to do when I asked him to do it? Or am I the only one that's had that question? I want you to see something here. Although Jesus loved them, he waited. Lord, I prayed. Why, why haven't you shown up yet? I've been asking to take this addiction away. I've been asking to take this anger away. I've been asking to take this, this feeling away. And yet, yet I still have this. I've been asking you to heal my body. I've been asking you to touch my marriage. I've been praying for my kids that you would re restore my kids. Why am I still going through these issues? God, where are you? When are you going to show up? The one you love is sick. And in times of crisis, I want you to understand Whenever God doesn't show up, when a crisis rises up, the thing I need you to understand that, that we question sometimes, God, do you know me? Do, do you know my name? God, do you know what my condition is? God, do you know the, the outcome, how things are going to work out? I need you to know that whatever you go through, God knows your name, that God knows your condition. And my God knows the outcome when it's all over. Because God created time, but God is not subject to time. That God already knows the end of the matter before we're, while we're walking it out. That's why God is calm through every storm. He knows the end. Come on, somebody. You see, now, now listen carefully. I, I just want to speak to you because you're gonna, you might think that, Pastor, you, you sound like your faith is struggling today. But... It's easy to understand. Stay, stay with me. It's easy to understand when a bad person gets sick. You can say amen if something agrees with you, okay? Those of you at home can type amen. Not, you're not going to get cursed for saying, yeah, a bad person getting sick. I understand that. Or when tragedy happens to an evil person. Sickness happens to a... Molester, a bad individual. Bad luck happens to a selfish person. But how do you deal with it when it happens to a good person? Because I don't think anyone sitting here this morning would look at yourself and think, I'm evil. So when we go through battles, we think we're good. And it's hard to understand why good people go through some bad things in life. 
And how, how do I trust God when I can't trust God? When I prayed and I do what he asked me to do, but he doesn't show up in the manner that he said he would. How do I find freedom in a God who let me down? Oh, come on. I'm preaching to you right now. How do I find freedom? How do you trust and believe and, and, and ask God to show up when God doesn't even show up in your own life? When my daughter was sick, I prayed and it, it didn't happen the way I expected it to. And then people would ask me, hey, can you come to the hospital and pray for my kid? And I'm not, I have no faith whatsoever because my daughter died. I'm like, God, it, it's not going to work. I go and pray for them and they get healed. Now I'm really mad. Hey, I'm just being honest with you right now. I'm really upset. I'm like, God, you don't heal my daughter, but you heal this person. I'm planning a church. I'm starting a church and my daughter dies and you heal this one. How, how do you process that? Maybe it's a bit too honest for a Sunday morning for those of you at home. Lazarus' story isn't about resurrection of life. It's a resurrection of faith. What he did is not just resurrect Lazarus' life. He resurrected the faith of those around him. Let, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like God let you down? Yes, Come on. You ever felt let down by God? Now, I'm going to have to do a lot of work because I'm really tearing you down right now in your faith. <laughs> We're going to have to really build up in a little while here, okay? So stay with me. Every time I start thinking about how God let me down, I'm reminded of how many times I've let him down. Freedom is difficult enough, but how do you gain freedom when you feel like God isn't listening to you? And this is the, the, the dichotomy. He got the message. Let me say that again. He got the message. What Mary and Martha asked and request reached the ears of Jesus. And he still waited. How many of you know God hears your prayers? He knows what you prayed. He's, he's familiar with what you're going through. But look at verse 5. And although he loved them, he stayed there for two more days. You see, the hardest fact about this story is that Jesus got the prayer request and then purposely waited another couple days. And it seems whenever God doesn't answer our prayers in the manner that we expected him to, it becomes a place for roots of bitterness to begin to grow. You didn't meet my need. And so let me encourage you, while you're waiting for God to answer in a manner that you're waiting for God to respond, when you pray and God doesn't respond in the manner you are expecting, don't get bitter. Change your perspective and know that Jesus is still on the way. Listen, don't get bitter. Change your perspective and know Jesus is on the way. I need you to understand, don't get bitter when God doesn't show up on on time change your perspective to get a heavenly perspective about what's going on and know Jesus is on the way come on somebody say amen <laughs> discouragement breeds or disappointment breeds discouragement whenever you're disappointed by someone your wife your husband your kids you, you end up getting discouraged 
And whenever God lets us down, listen carefully. Whenever someone lets us down, not just God, the first thing we begin to do is question the character of that individual. They're just a bad person. They're just a, they're, they're just a mean individual. Happens in marriage all the time. When your wife or husband does something to you, all of a sudden you go, you go straight to the, to the root. They're so evil. They're so mean. You know, why, why would they do that? They're so hateful. They're so vengeful. Because whenever you're let down, we attack the character of the individual who let us down. Listen carefully. We had our married couples meeting on Friday night. And as we met with our married couples at our house, one of the things we started talking about was conflict. All conflict is the result of unmet expectation. Every conflict you have in life is that you had an expectation that wasn't met. Mary and Martha had an expectation for Jesus to show up once he got the word, but he didn't. And whenever you have an expectation that isn't met, it causes conflict. But you got to ask yourself a question. Whenever an expectation isn't met, is that expectation that you had, is it valid? Can, can, can you expect that individual? Is this something that you expected from them? Can, can you justify that expectation or is it unrealistic? Is it realistic or unrealistic expectation? I had husbands that complained about the fact that the house was dirty, but the wife worked 60 hours a week and then wanted her to come home and make sure the house was spick and span. Expectation. Realistic or unrealistic? You got to come together. And some things we get upset about aren't realistic. Mary and Martha had a realistic expectation that once Jesus heard, he would show up. Come on, somebody. Now, I want you to see what happens, that whenever God lets you down, that means God is up to something. When you feel like God has let you down, you need to know that God is up to something. He doesn't let you down for any reason. I want you to recognize what happens. Verse 14, are you still with me? Yeah. Stay with me. Verse 14. So he said to them plainly, Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, guys, uh, Lazarus is sick. He's asleep right now and so forth. They thought he was asleep, meaning he was resting. He, everything's going to be okay now that he's asleep. And Jesus, verse 15, Jesus plainly tells them, Lazarus is dead. That's what I love about God. God has no problem identifying the facts. But the facts cannot stand to God's truth. The fact is you're sick, but the truth is you're healed. The fact is you're broke, but the truth is you're blessed. The fact is your marriage is struggling, but the truth is God's blessing and restoring. I want you to see what happens here. He says this in verse 15. And I'm for your sake. Everyone say for your sake. Come on, come on. For your sake. Everyone say it. For your sake. He says, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. Wait a minute. Lazarus is dead. You got his two sisters ticked off. They're angry at you. And the reason you didn't show up had nothing to do with Lazarus and had nothing to do with the two sisters.
I need your brain to start working here. You can't be passive and just sit in church and just listen. You got to apply. I need, your, I need your mind to start working here. Jesus says, I'm glad for your sakes. He's talking to his disciples. And he tells his disciples, I'm glad for your sake. I wasn't there. In other words, this crisis that Lazarus and his sisters are going through has nothing to do with Lazarus and his sisters. It has everything to do with the disciples. There are some things you go through. There are some storms you go through. There's some crisis that you face. There's some battles that you will go through in life that have nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with people around you. You are so caught up in life that you think the world surrounds around you, that the world revolves around you, that whatever goes on is all about you. But what they were going through, what Mary and Martha were going through, what Lazarus was facing had nothing to do with them and had everything to do with the disciples. I'm glad for your sake I was not there. What do you mean? I'm glad for your sake. See, they knew Jesus as a teacher. They knew him as a healer. They knew him as one that can calm the seas. They knew him as an, the individual that broke bread and multiplied. But they did not know that Jesus could raise the dead after four days. Whenever it seems like God is late... It's because he's about to reveal to you a part of his character that you've never revealed or seen before. Let me say that again. Whenever God shows up late to your situation, it's because he is pulling out another level of faith. He's about to reveal to you a part of his character you never knew existed. He's about to pull out another level of revelation, another level of faith, another level of understanding. He's about to show you a part of his, his character. He's about to give you a profile. He's about to give you another part of his face. He's about to give you another picture of who he is. That when God shows up in a different manner, in a time where you feel is late, he is about to reveal to you a whole other aspect of his character. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. amen. Not all crises are for you. I said not all crises belong to you. There's a purpose for every crisis we go through, but sometimes God is just revealing another facet of his character that was previously hidden. This was for the disciples. Poor Lazarus is dead four days. His body is decaying. And it has nothing to do with him. I'd be ticked. I have to go through this because you're trying to reveal something to someone else? Why don't you use someone else as a guinea pig to show what you can do? But he experienced death for four days. And re-experienced life. Let me take you somewhere as we close this morning. Why would Jesus do this? I, I, want, I want to kind of cut to the chase. There's a lot more I have on my notes, but just because of time, I, I'm going to kind of, kind of bring this to the head. When, when Jesus shows up, finally gets there, 
Martha meets him. And her first statement to him is, if you had been here. Not, hey, good to see you. Hey, Jesus, thank you for showing up. Lord, thank you so much. It's, so, it's a blessing to have you here again. If you had been here, all this wouldn't be happening right now. How many of you have ever, you show up to church, you haven't been in church for a while, you've been going through some crisis in life, you finally show up, and then when God's presence shows up, instead of worshiping him, you begin to complain about what you've been going through. If you had just shown up, we wouldn't be going through all this crap right now. If you had just showed up, we wouldn't be going through this right now. And remember, Martha was the one that was busy cooking. Mary was the one that sat at his feet. Later on, she's going to break an alabaster box, pour it on his feet, and with her hair, dry his feet. She doesn't even show up to greet Jesus. You ever been mad at God? You show up to church, but you don't worship? Now, Troy can sing. That is a beautiful song, but no, I'm not worshiping. You let me down. You didn't show up when I needed you, so I'm not giving you this. Mm. Mm. I'm, mm, I like that song right there. Nope, not going to clap. That was Mary. Mary refused to go see Jesus. And as Jesus goes and asks, where did you lay him? Mary shows up. And says that they tell the master's asking for you. So when she shows up, what's the first thing she says? If you had only been here, this wouldn't have happened. I want to talk to you about the freedom of offense. You can't be free until you get the freedom from offense. Many times we get so offended at God that you can't receive from God. That whenever you are offended that God didn't show up when you expected him to, that when God didn't show up or do the things you expected him to, you get offended, you get hurt, you're mad at God. God, you didn't do what I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it. You didn't show up on time. I sent the prayer request, you got the message, and you still didn't show up. So as a result, I'm mad at you. But God was able to move beyond their offense, and he asked them this, where did you lay him? I need you to understand that God is on the way. Jesus doesn't, I I wasn't lost. I mean, God wasn't lost. I never found God. God found me. God wasn't the one that was lost. I was. God found me. He searched me out. He found me and he brought me in. I was dead like Lazarus. I was laying in a tomb. I was lifeless. I had no place to move. God had to come and show up and call me out. I didn't find God. God found me. Come on, if you're happy God found you, someone give God a shout of praise. Jesus wasn't lost. I was. And he went to extreme lengths to find me. And when he gets there, he tells him this. Listen, roll the stone away. And I love what Martha says. She says, wait, wait, wait a minute. Jesus, don't, don't, can't do that right now. If you had done that, if you did this yesterday, we could do it. But it's been four days. He, he's rotting. 
I love the way the, the, the King James Version says. She says, we can't do that because he stinketh. He stinketh. His body's decaying. He smells. It's 100 degrees outside and his body is beginning to give way to maggots and it's bloating and rigor mortis is set in and the body's changing colors and the organs are beginning to decompose and now all these things are beginning to take place and the, these bugs are beginning to break down his, his body and so forth. And now he says, roll the stone away. L listen carefully as the worship team helps me or I want you to ca capture this. Check, check this out. Roll the stone away. Does Jesus roll the stone? How many times do we keep praying, God, remove the obstacles? God, remove the stone from my life. Remove the things that are keeping me from you. Jesus doesn't move the stone. There are some prayers God can't answer for you. There are some stones that have to be removed for you. Lazarus had enough people around him, people that loved him, friends around him that were willing to stand up and help move the stone out of his way. See, sometimes you got to make sure you got some friend. You, you're not hearing me. You got to make sure you got some homies around you. You got some people that you can trust, some people that will deal with your funk, that will deal with the smell in your life, to deal with the crap in your life, to deal with the funk in your life, to deal with your decomposing, maggot-ridden, uh, smelly, decomposed, rigor mortis life that you've been living. You need some people that are willing just to stand or that that's why listen you got to love your wife you got to love your husband because they're about the only individual that will deal with your funk it says roll the stone away and luckily Lazarus had some friends around him that loved him enough to deal with the smell I love this guy, and you know what, I'm gonna, I'll get the stone out of the way, and then I'll wait. He can't move the stone, he's dead. Some of you are either Lazarus or you're the friends. You are either moving the stone for someone or you need the stone to be moved for you. You need someone that loves you enough to deal with your funk. They roll the stone away and I think that's the difference between life and death. Who's in your circle? Who's in your tribe? Who can you count on to stand by your side, to deal with the stench of sin, abuse, of failure, of your past, of your rotting relationships, or even your smelly attitude? To deal with something, have people around you that are willing to to do so and this is what I love and Jesus could have called Lazarus out when the stone was still there and Lazarus could have been raised from the dead with the stone still there but God's practical I'm not gonna raise him to life and have him stuck in a tomb get the stone out of the way so that when I do perform the miracle he has a place to come out of 
I'm a God's already preparing your way. God's already made. You might still be dead right now. Your marriage might be dead. Your future might be dead. Your, your, your sobriety might be dead. But God's already opening up the path and making a way so that when I call you out, you're going to be able to step out in power with no hindrances. Come on, somebody give God praise. As we close, I want you to see what happens here. Jesus stands at the tomb and the Bible says he weeps. He prays to the Lord and says, thank you for always hearing my prayer. Then he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. Old black preacher by the name of E.V. Hill used to say, God had to say Lazarus come forth because he was standing in a graveyard. And had he said, come forth, every dead person in that graveyard would have got up and they, we would have ended up with Thriller. <laughs> and the moment he called them out, Lazarus come forth, called them by name. Every maggot that took a bite out of Lazarus's body, every decomposed tissue had to be restored back to its original condition. The moment God said, come forth, God doesn't call you out halfway. He doesn't call you out broken. He doesn't just give you a pulse. When God calls you, he gives you life and life more abundantly. God doesn't just give you a pulse. God gives you a purpose. Oh, come on, give him praise this morning. Lazarus come forth was a command, wasn't a request. He commanded him. Listen, pastor, I have no faith. You don't need faith. What? You don't need faith. Lazarus had no faith. He was dead. My God is so powerful that even when you don't have the faith to believe for your marriage, for your family, for your sobriety, for your future, when you don't believe it, God can still call you out. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. Stand to your feet. Got Lonnie going up and down today, bro. Got them squats in. give up man don't give up now, now now take a look at this Lazarus come forth and immediately the stones rolled away the people are standing there all the mourners are around and an image shows up at the opening of the tomb taking a while but he's getting there this is some of y'all you're, you're going somewhere but it's taking a while you, you, you got life you know Jesus he's restored you he called you out but God's not happy with you having a pulse he came to give you life and life more abundantly when Lazarus shows up look at the last statement Jesus gives to him 
The dead man came out. They don't even call him Lazarus. The dead man came out. Hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen like a mummy. A cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I came to tell you this morning that although you have life, if you're still wrapped up in dead things, you're still not living the life that God called you to live. And today is your day to take off the grave clothes. It's time to stop mourning yesterday. It's time to let go of your past. It's time to rip off those dead things of your life, the addictions, the bitterness, the mindsets. Rip them off and find freedom today. Oh, come on, someone give God a shout of praise like you mean it. wrapped up I want to be wrapped up in the things of God not in dead things and what's so cool is that he couldn't take them off either the same way he needed people to roll the stone away he needed some friends to come and start ripping those things off of him that's what discipleship does coming to church doesn't take off the grave clothes it's when you begin to get into the Word. It's when you begin to, to, to read what the Word of God's all about. Those words, every scripture begins to cut, slash, and remove those things that are covering you, that are wrapping you up. What are you wrapped up in right now? What things have you tied down? What things are you, what dead things are wrapped up in your life right now? It's time to remove them. I said it's time to remove them. What things have taken you prisoner? Wrapped up in addiction and greed and success in your past and failures, opinions, political, business attitudes, hobbies. It's time to stop being wrapped up in dead things. I want you to take your com communion. If you have your cups on the bottom, you can take off the I want you just to hold the bread for a moment. I want everyone to have a communion cup too. Make sure everyone has one. If you don't, raise your hand. We'll have an usher make sure we get to you. But not everyone can take communion. Even though I want everyone to have one, not everyone should take communion if your life isn't right. But I want you to have communion so we can get your life right. So then you can take it. So right now, if you're in a place where you got bitterness or maybe you're not serving God, maybe you're disconnected from God, right where you are, would you just lift your hand? I want to lead you to Jesus. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So God, just I, I want these grave clothes taken off me. I want to be able to take communion free. God bless you. Right now, just say this with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day to make me new. I'm coming out of the grave. The grave clothes are coming off. I made a decision today to forgive, 
and to follow Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to take the bread right now. As you take the bread, take it in faith that the body of Jesus was broken so that your body could be made whole. Come on, right now, if anything's broken, just by faith, believe it's being put back together right now. In Jesus' name. In a like manner, I want you to take the cup. Symbolizes the blood of Jesus. As a kid, I used to think we were just taking snacks in church. I love communion Sundays. And we get to have a snack. But the meaning behind it is so powerful. One drop of Jesus' blood. One drop. Heal the sick. Deliver those in bondage. Set free a mind that is so lost. Set free someone demon-possessed. Has the ability to break chains and set people free. As we take the cup, I want you to believe that the stones of your life are being rolled away. The grave clothes are being taken off. But more importantly, that we respond to the word of God when it's spoken. And it says, Tommy, come forth. When it says Lonnie, come forth. When it says David, come forth. When it says Daniel, come forth. That we respond to the voice of God this morning. Take the cup. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. Lord, let us stop being wrapped up with dead things. Come on, just worship him right where you are. Lord, we bless your name right now, God. Lord, I pray right now, God, that we, we would recognize we need each other. Lazarus needed someone to roll the stone away, and he also needed someone to remove the grave clothes. Lord, I pray that you would surround us with a family here at CWC of people that are willing to deal with our smell, willing to remove the stones. Help us to take off the grave clothes, God, so that we could be free. Lord, you didn't just call us to life. You called us to life abundantly. And we claim that abundant life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to close with this scripture. John eleven forty five 45 says, Therefore, many Jews had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. Let me close with this statement. When the world sees what God does in you and sees what you're going to come out of, the world will believe because of what God did in you. Your freedom is going to set other people free. Oh, come on. Your freedom is going to set someone else free as well. That's why it's so important you get free. Respond to the word of God today. Remember, for those of you at home, man, we love you. If you just accepted Christ, do me a favor and just text the word ALIVE to 408-340-7703. That's 408-340-7703. Text the word ALIVE and we have some people that will be reaching out to you. Until we see you again next Sunday, love God, love people, and let's change the world. God bless you this morning.